Thank you for tuning in to the Living Truth Church podcast. We're glad that you're here. If you'd like more information about Living Truth, you can check out our website at livingtruthchurch.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram, but the best way to connect with us is through our Living Truth Church app, which can be found in any app store. Now for a message from the Word of God. We hope that God uses this teaching to impact your life. As the kid in the front row said, yay, all right. That was his mama singing for the first time up here, if you didn't know that. So she did great, and they did great. Awesome. Wish my kids were here to say yay for me. Anyway. Okay, all right. Uh, We got a lot to cover this morning. God has given us uh, the word from Philemon today, and it's a short book in the Bible, but it packs a powerful punch. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We trust you, God. We need to hear from you this morning, God. I pray that you would remove any distractions. Lord, we need this word. This, if there's a never an inoculation that we really needed, it's this word this morning, God. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The thing that keeps humans in bondage more than anything else is invisible. It's not found in shackles or chains or ropes that ties us down, keeps us chained up. No, in fact, it's really self-inflicted. It's the unseen hand of unforgiveness that causes the most mayhem and destruction in the lives of people. Unforgiveness will wreak havoc in your life. People become angry and bitter and worse because they won't forgive. And this lack or this lack of or unwillingness to forgive becomes their master, their owner. It nurtures hate which does bad things. Hate leads to that anger train, and once you get on the anger train, you can't get off. In fact, if you follow the anger train until the end, it it, it can get to murder. And so it's, it's bad stuff. In fact, unforgiveness should have a warning label that says, may cause death. And not to mention the innocent bystanders children, family, others that are collateral damage because of unforgiveness. One unkind word or careless act can damage a relationship forever. Just one. Have you ever... Have you ever messed up and said something you're like, oh, I couldn't get those words back? Wouldn't it have been great if somebody at that point would have said, you know, I've done that. And just forgive me. I mean, I have. I have seen the angry text between couples when they're fighting and they want the pastor to get in the middle of it. And you wouldn't know. Christians said such words. And they want, you, they want you to know. But just so you know, I know that Christians say those words. So you don't have to send me a text to show me how bad your spouse can cuss. All right? I've seen the words. Just a simple, hey, pastor, would you pray for our marriage? We'd be fine. 
So one, one unkind word or careless act can damage a relationship forever. So I'm just saying right now, if somebody did, did this to you, and it, it could be, we obviously we think within relationships, the marital relationship's an easy one because it's the big one. But, but, but just to, to, to just be able to say, yeah, let it go. You had a bad day or this day, or that was very stupid for you to say that, but you know what? I've done it. You see, that's where the need for real biblical forgiveness comes in. Forgiveness can heal even the worst damage between husbands and wives, children and parents, longtime friends, and everyone in between. Do you have somebody that you're like, don't have anything to do with anymore, but you used to, y'all were like inseparable, and now you're at this point, you're like, I don't even remember why. And, and I sense this morning, as I say, as, as you, 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 y'all, y'all, you smell where this is going, right? Right? You know, right? you're like, you're like, oh, why did we come today? Why did I come? This, this passage is all about this, okay? So it's not me. And by the way, if you're here today, lucky that, that you were the lot drawn to be here today because I was going to speak on this. I knew October of last year that I was going to be speaking on this. So I didn't think of any of you today. God thought of you, all right? So maybe you wince at the idea that I have to forgive them because let's be honest. Just the thought of forgiveness right now, you and me were thinking of somebody. The story in Philemon sheds light on one of Scripture's greatest examples of human forgiveness in action. Now, I think you're probably familiar of the greatest one. We've just sung about it. When Jesus left heaven to come to earth to die for our sins, to die for our sins, not his sins, to die for our sins, to pay the price, our debt for sin, so that we might have life. That's the greatest forgiveness. But, but we're people. We need, we need a, a real-life example, right? Like, that's not. Okay, so we got Philemon. God said, I got that box checked for you. It's in here. So the, the story of Philemon sheds light on one of his greatest uh, examples of human forgiveness in action. Through genuine forgiveness, one can truly experience Christ. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. It is what Christ did, and until you do it, you don't know him in every way that you can know him. Y'all get that? We want, Paul says in Philippians, I want to know Christ, but he also said, if you remember that, he says, the suffering with him too. Who wants that? Nobody wants that. But, but if you want to really know Christ, you experience Christ when you forgive someone that does not deserve forgiveness. Philemon 1 through 3 says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier in the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul wrote this letter while he was in a Roman prison, and he wrote it as a friend. Many of his other letters, you hear him say, Paul, an apostle of Christ. Here, he's just treating his friend like a friend. As he writes it, it's a letter to him, but it also comes 
uh, has a message for us. He does not, again, identify himself as apostle in this. Aphia was like probably his wife, and then Archaeus, Archippus was likely his son. So he's addressing the whole family in this unique letter. And in this letter, Paul will appeal to Philemon regarding a runaway slave who has met Jesus and found refuge in Paul, who's now in Rome. So you get that? This, this guy was a slave of Philemon. He's, he's stolen stuff. He's run away. And he's somehow mysteriously ran into Paul, of all people, in Rome. Gets saved. He shared his story with Paul. Paul shared his story with him. And Paul's like, well, you know you're going to need to make this right. Imagine that talk, Right? Now, when I, I say slave, this, this word doulos is translated bondservant, slave, or servant. It did not really mean the same thing as it means in 19th century slavery, nor uh, slavery related to human trafficking today. It was more like somebody was indebted, they, paid all, they worked to pay off their debt, and it usually was no longer than like seven years. And once free, they would frequently they would stay on working for the family, and they'd even, sometimes they'd even take on their name. So let's look at our, our main text today is verses 4 through 7. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul is grateful that when he thinks about his friend Philemon and when he prays for his friend Philemon, he's like, thank God. Thank you, God, for Philemon. Thank you for my brother. He's, man, he's just, he's just like a brother from another mother for me, man. He, we're just tight. Uh, thank you for him. He was thankful that when he prayed about Philemon, he wasn't having to pray about his marriage or he, him getting out of jail or any other troubles, when he prayed for Philemon, it was refreshing just to have somebody just said, thank you, God, for this person in my life that ain't got no worries, ain't got no troubles. Thank you for this guy. He's just trying to let us know right at the beginning, this is just a good guy. He, he's, that's it. And so from Philemon, we're going to learn what kind of person can forgive the kind of thing that nobody else would or wants to forgive. His servant, as I said before, not only ran away, but stole from him to run away. Yeah, he had to have money to get from Colossae to Rome. This would not go unpunished. In fact, if he let it go, it might set up a bad precedent for the other servants in the community. And, and, and his peers also would expect him to punish this guy. So Paul addresses the character of this man who is an example to the church. Before Paul sends Onesimus back to face the music, he reminds Philemon of his, of his Christian character and how he ought to handle things with his newfound brother in Christ. He does so by appealing to the spiritual character he knew about Philemon. I got you to know, on his side, on Paul, Paul himself. Now, uh, he wasn't just saying, 
hey, Philemon, you need to be a good you know, guy. You need to do this. And it wasn't like Paul was like, you do what I wouldn't do. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us are like that. We, we want them to do the same. Well, I wouldn't do that. You know, Paul was already ahead of that. Paul said, look, I'm sending them to you, and if he costs you anything, I'll pay it. I got you, man. I'll, I'll pay it. Now, later on in the book, he, Paul does tell him, you owe me. <laughs> but he, you know, he, I guess that was kind of his last thing, you know. Uh, but he's really trying to appeal mainly to his spiritual character. Paul viewed this relationship and the situation with a kingdom of God mentality. I want us to grasp that. This is a, 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 a follower of Jesus that he wanted to take the opportunity of this really bad situation to bring glory to God in it. That's kingdom of God mentality. Do, do, you and me, do we run into bad situations throughout the week? Of course we do. I had several people tell me about how bad the last two weeks have been for them. Let me just say this to you. If you I, I don't know if you're the one, but that's life. We're, we're going to have bad situations. Now, kingdom of God mentality, I'm thinking, how can I make lemonade out of this, right? How, how can we redeem this situation for the glory of God? And that's, this was a bad situation. A guy was a slave over here. He stole from the guy, and now he's over here. Paul leads him to Christ, and they get to talking, and he goes, yeah, yeah, and I, I, yeah I'm just, since I'm confessing to you, I stole from uh, this guy named Philemon. And, you know, Paul, what, who? Philemon. Man, I, that's a friend of mine. Oh, man, you're going to have to, you have to make that right, you know? Paul knew this was an opportunity to make much of Jesus. Paul, Paul knew that Philemon had a concern for the Lord, so this gave him hope. Verse 5, he says, because I hear the faith which you have toward the Lord, Paul knows that he's dealing with a true believer, so he has the, he has the capacity to forgive. You see, the divine nature has been put inside of him. Christ in you makes you different. Did you know that? Christ in you makes you different. Listen, we've been forgiven, so we are able to forgive. We've been forgiven much, so we can forgive the little that's asked for us in comparison. God has forgiven you of the same thing over and over and over. Right? Let's just say right, because you know it. Right? The same dumb thing, and he's forgiven you over and over. You know what he said? I'll do it again. You do it again, I will forgive you again. And yet, somebody does us wrong, and we give them a second chance, they're lucky, right? I ain't forgiving them of that again. I'm not stupid. Sometimes we just need to be reminded of what we have in Christ. And that's what Paul is doing here with Philemon. We, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit who prompts us, who guides us, and appeals, uh, appeals to us to do that which will honor the Lord, like forgiving. When you forgive somebody, you're acting, I mean, you're doing what God does. And then we experience the conviction of the Word of God. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, 
forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Ouch. Jesus juke, right? Colossians 3.13. Bearing with one another, and if one has complained against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You also, four-letter word, must forgive. I know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, because you're thinking of that person, and you're thinking, but you don't know what they did. No, I don't, but God does, and God said you must forgive. I don't like this talk. Okay. He's a believer and forgives, and forgiveness is not an option for the believer. I will tell you, I hate it. I don't like it either. But it's right there. And I also know what Jesus did for me. And what he's really saying here is that the first characteristic of a forgiver is that he's a follower of Jesus. Look, even an atheist knows forgiveness is a good way to go. I see my friend here. He's in here right now. Works on an oil rig. We were talking about this week. A couple of weeks. He's a couple of weeks on the oil rig. And he says, I'm working. I got an atheist in there. And we realize we have, we're here. Unless somebody's going to get thrown overboard, we got to learn how to forgive each other. Right? So maybe I twist it. He didn't say it that way. But, you know, just, just, just picturing that, right? Right? We all work somewhere. Maybe you're stuck with these certain people. Not by choice. Sometimes by choice, but not by choice. But you got to forgive, right? I've said stupid stuff at my place of employment before, and I've had to ask people to forgive me. What does that make you want to do? Well, it makes you not want to do that again. But if things are going to be right, you've got to do that. Why? Well, right here it says you must. He has a concern for the Lord, and it's the exact opposite of what we once were in Romans 3.10. You know, we talked about that in total depravity of man. What we once were, we were uh, no one, there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody's even trying to do good. But now we are, because we're saved. Now, Onesimus, the slave, would not expect mercy or hold out hope if you were the vengeful type. You know, if we were like the rest of the world. He... He'd, he'd know if he went from Rome to Colossae, he knew what was awaiting him, right? He would not go back there except Paul urged him. Paul told him, here, take this letter, go, you'll be fine. And what does that show us too? He trusted Paul, right? Whose life's on the line? Onesimus' life's on the line. He's got, all he's got is this piece of paper. He's got this letter to Philemon, from a friend, Paul. What, what, what made him, what crazy idea made him go back? Because the rest of the world is going to kill this guy for what he did. You think Paul shared his own personal testimony with Onesimus? I think there's not a chance that he didn't, right? And the power of that testimony. 
I mean, it's the power of the testimony of Paul of what Jesus Christ had done in his life that made Onesimus be able to even go back. And that same power and that testimony was making that letter valuable. That was like money. Lawsuits, killings, murder for hire, road rage, these aren't surprising in our world. Everybody wants to get back, right? Our favorite movie used to be Rambo. I don't know what it is now. Okay, we talked about this earlier. You can't say a movie because everybody's a different age. The hostility and anger of our culture is what it is because that's in the human DNA ever since the fall. That's the total depravity of man. Your every thought is wicked. Nations, marriages, and families are falling apart, not because people can't forgive, but because they won't forgive. You can't forgive the way Jesus forgives without having Jesus in you. Now, we've all seen and participated in the lack of social restraint as believers. What do I mean by that? We've all seen believers, and we've been party of that, of not forgiving, even though we know we're supposed to. So this is why we need a reminder today. This is why Philemon needed a reminder. We need a reminder. You see, because it's, it's conduct unbecoming a follower of Jesus to not forgive. I don't have that option. So Paul, is he's heading it off at the pass of Philemon. And he's saving Onesipa's life. And he's also bringing a brother on board. We'll talk about that. Philemon is also marked by a concern for people. In verse 5, Paul says, I hear also of your love which you have toward all the saints. When he says faith, he's talking about the faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus. When he says love, he says the love which you have toward the saints. That's the second characteristic. You love the saints. He uses agape, which is the Greek word for sacrificial love. That, uh, it's not based on emotions or feelings, but obedience. I'm, I'm compelled to serve you because of the power of God working in me. He moves me. The power of God working inside us gets us to do things that we would not normally do. This week, I went and uh, my next door neighbor, I went and cut his grass, triple degree temperature, you know. I went and cu I cut mine and I went and cut his. And then I went and got the weed eater and, and weed eat. My wife will tell you I'm not good at some of those things. Why did I, I didn't, I'm just telling you, I did not do it because I'm a good person. I was compelled just to do that. So it wasn't a guy that was. He didn't have COVID and needed some help. It wasn't that. He's, he's a hardworking young man. I'm just, I'm, 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 man, I like people like that. And God just put, it was love. God put that. In fact, I told him later I love him. Okay, I told another man I love him. My next one, you know. I sent him, the emo, uh, I sent him one of them gifts that said, uh, you had me at hello or something. Yeah, it was funny. I didn't tell you about that. Anyway, so. But what was that? What's that working in me? That's, that's God moving inside of me. Listen, if it were me in the flesh, I'd let you rot. I wouldn't forgive, right? You deserved it. You're getting what you deserve. Roll over in it, you know, all that. 
but it's, it's faith at work. Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. God's doing work. Let me ask you, is there anything, is there any way, is there anything you've seen in your life since you said you became a follower of Jesus that you can say, God's doing that, God's doing that work? First Thessalonians 4, 9 says, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Taught where? How? What? You getting in the Word? 1 John 3, 13 and 14 says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life but because we love the brothers. It's, that's the evidence. Whoever does not love, though, abides in death. How is your abiding going on? You see, you have the love of God in your heart. You've been taught by God to love. You've, you've been given this the capacity. It's, it's in there. It's the love of the Spirit that's in you. And furthermore, he is marked by concern for the fellowship that is the body of Christ, the church. He says, I hear of your love and of the faith which you have toward Lord Jesus Christ and toward all, all the saints that the fellowship of your faith may be effective. He's saying, you have true saving faith. You have true spiritual love. And you have a desire for fellowship. Your, your faith pursues fellowship. He calls it the fellowship, the fellowship of your faith. And he says, I'm hoping that the fellowship of your faith may become effective. And that word we're translating effective there is the Greek word energes, where we get our word energy. I'm hoping that the fellowship of your faith may become effective, active, powerful, energetic. I know that you care about the fellowship. A genuine believer, disciple, follower of Jesus will care about the fellowship. That is the church. You, you forgive because you don't want chaos in the fellowship. You you want harmony and peace and unity in the fellowship. Sometimes caring for the fellowship is correcting, reproving, and rebuking. But Paul is pointing out this time it's forgiveness. There's no I in team. A Christian cares about team Jesus. A Christian says, I care about the fellowship. I care about you. I care about our unity. I care about our ministry. I care about our mutual sharing. We use the word our, right? When people join our church, and sometimes they've been a member for a little while, and they say, they're talking to me, and they go, your church. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. It's not my church. First of all, I did not die for the church. Jesus died for the church. It's his church. And other than that, it's our church. And the word koinonia is most often translated fellowship. But when we talk about fellowship, we usually mean hanging out and, hang, you know, that kind of thing, right? A church fellowship, right? It's Kool-Aid and cookies and potato chips, whatever. But the best fit for the context here is belonging. You belong to somebody else and somebody else belongs to you in a mutual partnership. In Romans chapter 12, when Paul's talking about the church as a body, we're all members of the same body, right? 
You're the hand, I'm the foot, whatever. We're all different parts of the body. And so this is what belonging is all about. Belonging matters. Paul says, Onesimus just got saved. He's headed to you not only as a, uh, a doulos, but as a brother in Christ. And you belong to him not only as a boss, but as a brother in Christ. And I know that you care about belonging. He's one of us. I know that's important to you, Philemon. And then he says, I want the fellowship of your faith to be energized, to, to have a powerful impact. He's saying, if you forgive this guy, it's going to have a powerful impact. If you forgive this guy that nobody else would forget, and everybody would let you pass on this, it's going to make a powerful impact. You see, this was a serious offense for which the slave could lose his life. And if you just flat out forgive the guy, that's going to send a strong message to the church about the priority of belonging. Your action is going to preach. This man now belongs to me, not as my slave, but as my brother. And my brother needs forgiveness. That's going to be a powerful statement of fellowship. Listen, it doesn't matter what a man does to you or what a woman does to you. If you can take that person back and embrace that person in love, you have made a strong statement about your concern for the fellowship. For the mutual belonging. Listen, your rights don't trump the partnership the mutual participation, the belonging. And I know, I know, because we're all sitting here thinking of that one person, right? Think of how powerful that is if you tell them, I forgive you, let it go. Now, in some of these cases, it doesn't mean, it doesn't, I'm not saying you got, they're your best friends for life, right? But you got to let it go or it's going to own you for the rest of of your life. But letting that go is the ultimate dying to self. And that's what we're called to do. We're told to die to self. A person who cares about the whole church is eager to forgive. Listen, if you love the Lord, if you love people, if you love the fellowship, you will forgive. And when you forgive, you're like your daddy in heaven. Right? That's what he does. There's more. Philemon has a concern for deep experiential knowledge of God. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Ephesians 1.3. I mean, every good thing. When you got saved, when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you got every good thing in you. Has any of it popped out yet? I mean, is there any evidence of that? I mean, if, if you truly accepted Jesus, it all is inside of you. Has it found a way to manage itself? Or are you guarding the door? How many of those things have you recognized? And how can you? Well, I got good news for you and bad news. Forgiveness. It depends on how you want to look at it. 
is one of those ways. This is where the rubber meets the road. Paul says to Philemon, I want you to have the knowledge of every good thing in you. I want you to know. I want you to know what you've got in you, man. So how do we get the deep knowledge, the rich knowledge, the full knowledge, only from experiential knowledge? It's the knowledge through personal acquaintance with truth. It's the knowledge that comes through experience. You see, Paul met truth on the Damascus Road. How do I know that Jesus forgave Saul of Tarsus? Well, with that lightning storm that day on the Damascus Road and none of it hit Paul or Saul and took him out, Jesus voted that day. Now listen, listen to what he's saying to him. He's saying, if you forgive this guy, you're going to immediately experience the good thing in you called forgiveness. You read about forgiveness, you know, but you wouldn't really know it because you haven't experienced it. You can hear somebody preach about forgiveness and how wonderful it is, but you really wouldn't know it until you did it. You know how to get the knowledge of good things in you. Do you know how? I mean, really. You know how. You got to exercise them. You got to let them out. You find out the tremendous goodness of what God has placed within you when you walk in obedience to the will of God and you do things and you see and you experience those things in your life. You don't experience those things until you step out and do what God tells you to do. How many people have you tried? Have you seen in your life that were doing some things they shouldn't have been doing? It was, you saw it, it's screwing their life up, and said, why don't you not do that? <laughs> yeah, right? We see that all the time. So, if God's telling you to do that, then it's obedience if you just do what he says to do. God has given you the capacity to forgive. Forgive somebody and experience every good thing you have in Christ. That's how you experience the good thing. Who do you need to say this morning? Who do you need to say, let it go? Let it go. You know, I give up my right to be mad. I want to be mad about this because that wasn't right, wasn't fair. But you know what? Let it go. There's no substitute for experiential knowledge So Ricky was telling me about his deep sea diving. I fish from a boat and from a kayak and from shore. Some people cheat and they go way down there. But I remember him telling me, man, because he has a lot more luck because he sees them right there. They're there, you know. But also you see other things down there. You know, like I did, I, I imitated the grouper last week down there, you know. Poor imitation, but some people like it. Anyway, he told me about this one time he was down there, and this Goliath grouper is about the size of a VW bug down there, you know. I'm like, that's awesome. That's great. But I'm thinking, also, there's like eight-foot bull sharks down there, too. And I know that they're, not, they're more scared of me than I am of them, but I don't really know that. <laughs> and I don't need that experience. I'm living vicariously through his little trips. <laughs> what I did experience was I went on a boat ride 
on the Sea of Galilee where Jesus walked and Peter walked. And that was pretty awesome. That was an experience. Some of you, maybe, you had a, maybe you've been in a hot air balloon and, and taking that ride or something. I would love to just sit around and talk about the experiences we've all had. But you have experiential knowledge when you've been there and done that, right? Until you've done it, it's just talk. But once you've forgiven someone when they didn't deserve it, you feel what God feels when he forgives. You see, the Bible tells us that we can taste and see God. But when does that happen? It always happens with obedience. God calls you to do something you don't really know. You don't really know till you do what he says. Right? He calls you to go talk to somebody, share the gospel with somebody. You don't really know until you do it. They might get saved right then, and it may be much later, but you were part of that. It's always tied to obedience. In this case, forgive and experience it. You see, God has put this ability in every believer. Somebody I know is sitting in here right now with a bunch of power to release. Forgive somebody. Blow the world away with the dynamite of forgiveness. Who could you forgive today that would make people see God? Wow. I mean, I know you're thinking, I know a couple people I forgive. You know what? No, go, go to that top ten most wanted people and the one at the top that the FBI is after. Go, go to the top. I experience God's goodness through my obedience. It's not my own goodness, but it's the goodness that he puts in me. It's a great joy to give generously and sacrificially. We get this thrill because we have experienced the rich goodness that God puts in us to give sacrificially. But you don't have to have money to forgive and thus experience the power of God running through your veins of your soul. It costs you nothing but genuine love. Furthermore, he has a concern for the glory of, the, of God, Christ's sake. At the end of verse 6, his little phrase, for the sake of Christ, Paul knows that Philemon has a good heart and he does what he, he does for the sake of Christ, that is to bring glory, glory to Christ. You do it unto him. See, good gospel living is for the glory of Christ or it's in vain. It is for Christ's sake, Christ's name, Christ's praise, and Christ's glory. The best reason to forgive is bringing glory to his name. If you want to honor Christ, you'll obey what he told you to do. Now, Paul was sending Onesimus back, trusting that all would go well. And Philemon is lastly characterized by concern to be a blessing. See, this man had a reputation of just being a blessing. And by the way, Nowhere in here does Paul say that Philemon was a pastor, elder, or deacon, or anything at the church. He was just like a businessman living out his faith in Jesus daily. He was a blessing to everybody. Listen, those are the kind of people that bring joy. It's refreshing. It's refreshing to be around such people. They serve, they care, they minister, they just bless everybody. They're the ones that just let it go. They forgive. We got time for that. Who could you bring joy to by letting it go? So Paul 
establishes the character of Philemon as a, forgive, a forgiver, and then, he, and then he asks him to forgive. I don't know about you, I've got this phrase when, when God asks me something hard, or, 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 or when something like this I don't want to do, I'm like, I'm not Jesus, you know, right? The problem with that is Jesus lives within me, and if I don't forgive, I make him out to be a liar. So what's it going to be? Are you going to let it go and experience every good thing you have in Christ and bring glory to his name? Or are you going to stay in the dungeon pursuing vengeance saying, but that's not fair. I have rights all the way to the bitter end and die an old angry man or old woman. Oh, you can. You don't have to, you don't have to forgive. But I will predict right now you will die angry and alone. I bet you have ones. I bet you got somebody you miss. You miss their face. You miss their smile. Their laugh. And some of you is, is part of it. You don't even know what happened. It's the words of Jesus that make me forgive people right away. Like I tell you, Matthew 6, 6 fifteen. He said, if you don't forgive others... Their trespasses, then neither will you forgive, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I just got to tell you, I ain't got time for my relationship with God to be disrupted by people down here. So I'm going to forgive real quick. It might be 10 seconds, two minutes, okay, all right. But it ain't going to be much longer now. Why? Because I live a desperate life. I am dependent on Him. And that verse tells me Jesus Himself said, We got blockage. Until I forgive here. And honestly, I know what he's forgiven of me is worse than anything anybody else did to me. In Matthew 18, we don't have time for this, but Matthew chapter 18, great passage to read. It describes the torture that unforgiveness puts us through. Yet we try to push through the impossibility of living through unforgiveness. You think you can gut through it. It's like you're going to be carrying weights the whole rest of your life. Oh, I'm going to stay mad. I deserve to be mad. That wasn't fair. You know what? Yeah, maybe you do deserve 10, deserve ten seconds of being mad. And maybe it wasn't right. It probably wasn't right. But it's going to ruin you. They don't even care. Don't even know, Maybe. While the Bible has much to say about forgiveness and the cost of not doing it, the Holy Spirit uses this one tiny book to encourage believers to forgive. Look, you've, I'm telling you this morning, you've got this. You've got the right stuff to be a forgiver. You need this and somebody else needs it. Just like you needed God to forgive you. That's where it all started. He forgave us first. And if he doesn't, there's no hope. The situation is hopeless without forgiveness. And right now, this very second, right now, you can help redeem a hopeless situation, a broken relationship. Jesus had to forgive before he died and finished the job to restore and reconcile relationships. And he made us reconcilers. So, yeah, it might feel like a little like death when you forgive. You think it hurt Jesus? You think it hurt Jesus while he's, standing, when he's still on that cross and the Pharisees and all of them came by shaking their heads at him, spitting at him? And he stayed up there. You think that hurt? Yeah, that hurt. But joy comes after the pain. Experience it. 
Let it go. Forgive. I, some people may be here today. Some of you may be here. You got church hurt. Church hurt's a real thing. Get hurt in the church because people are in church. Let it go. Because you're restored. Your relationship with Jesus needs to be restored. It ain't worth that. And somebody needs to forgive somebody. You know who it is. Somebody you might need to forgive yourself. And somebody here may mistakenly think they need to forgive God. But let me tell you something. Just pray about that one. But you can say it. God, I forgive you, and he'll correct you. And then he'll forgive you. But let it go. Be set free. You see, gospel living, I don't know if I get this right now. Gospel living, us living out our faith, gospel living is kind of like a salt shaker. And forgiveness is like the salt. See, we say we can lead a horse to water, but we can't make him drink. You can lead a person with the gospel to the gospel, but you can't make them get saved, but you can make them thirsty. And what makes them thirsty? When they say you do stuff like this, stupid stuff, like forgiving somebody that doesn't deserve it. That's how you do it. And then you know everything that you've got in him. It's all in here. You're packed. You're loaded. It's time to release it. Now is your time to respond. Hey, we're so glad that you joined us for worship this morning. We know that God is moving in the hearts and lives of anybody that hears his word. And we want to encourage you to take the step that the Holy Spirit's prompting you to take. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. This morning, the word of God was preached, and we know that it has the supernatural ability to go down deep inside us and change us from the inside out. We want to encourage you to take the step that the Holy Spirit is prompting you to take. If you'll download the Living Truth Church app for any any app store, there's a Next Steps tab, and there's a list of different things that the Holy Spirit may be telling you to do. There are ways for you to respond. Maybe you've never chosen to follow Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's drawing you to himself. Well, there's no better time to follow Jesus than right now. And you can let us know that in the app by clicking follow Jesus. Uh, Maybe you're a Christian and the next step you need to take is baptism or beginning to serve in the church or giving or getting plugged into a CPR group. One of those things, you know, many other things as well. Let us know in the app. We want to come alongside you. If you'll fill that form out, we'll be able to come alongside you and help you take those steps. Um, We know that if you're a believer, you're a stepper. You are somebody who never stops. You never become stagnant. We should always be walking with Jesus and taking steps to follow him. So if you heard the word of God this morning, there's steps for you to take, and we want to encourage you to take those. Um, So if you would, join me in prayer. Um, Dear Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's watching with us today. We thank you that they're here. We thank you that they've heard your word, God, and we pray that you'll speak to them, that you'll you'll draw them to yourself, God, and you'll you'll tell them the steps that they need to take as they follow you. Um, God, we pray that you'll give them the boldness and courage to be obedient to what it is you're telling them to do. Um, God, we pray that you'll move in their lives and use them. We love you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for salvation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, y'all have a great week.